you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the first thing that I thought of when I came to our gospel passage this morning was the scenery. The smell of the fishing boat, the sound of the water, and the emotions of these fishermen who were uh, feeling a lot after a, a long night with no catches. And a story that popped into my head was my own experience with fishing. And I can count on one hand how many times I have been fishing, because it is exactly three times. However, I cannot count how many fish I have caught on one hand, because that number would be exactly zero. <laughs> I don't know enough about fishing to know if that has something with what I was doing, but I do know that the people around me tend to have amazing luck with catches while there's none left for me. These experiences have not exactly made me want to pursue more fishing endeavors. But I I can't even say that I fully empathize with what the fishermen were feeling, because this was their livelihood. It wasn't a hobby. This is what put food on the table and provided for their family. It was a staple in their economy. Something I can't imagine feeling is packing up after a long day of work, already cleaning everything up, and someone who doesn't even do my job coming to me and say, saying, try one more time, get it all out again, and try again. But Peter replies to Jesus, saying, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing, but because you say so, I'll drop the nets. These fishermen listen to Jesus, and sure enough, they catch so many fish that it almost sinks the boat. The catch is miraculous after a night of catching nothing, and it tells us something about the kingdom of God, that it is filled with abundance and blessing. I find Peter's response to this miracle very interesting. He falls to his knees and says, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. I think it's something to note that in this moment, Jesus goes from master to Lord. But why does Peter respond in this way? But when you're overcome with amazement of the Lord, it causes you to see your inadequacy, your humanity. I also can't imagine the emotion of working all night and nothing, but in an instant abundance. I love how this response is so perfectly paralleled in our Isaiah passage today. His reaction to seeing the Lord high and lifted up is, woe is me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The posture that Peter and Isaiah take here is one of reverence, one looking up to the gravity of all that God is in this encounter with him. It is not a shaking in your boots with fear or a let me run away from this bad and scary God. As we keep reading, we see how Jesus responds. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. He almost ignores Peter and assures him to not be afraid because I am calling you to this new way of life. If Peter's identity had remained not enough or sinner, 
then he would not have had a chance to walk with Jesus and being a fisher of people. Our expectation is for God to stay high and lifted up, but Jesus shows us this upside-down kingdom where we partner with God in building it. This call Jesus puts on Peter's life looks forward to the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, when Peter will preach a sermon and 3,000 people will commit their lives to following Christ. It's crazy that we can follow the narrative of church history back to this story when Peter dedicates his life to following Christ. We know about Christ, and we are the church today because of the foundation that Peter laid for the church. He leaves everything, including this new abundance of fish, to follow Jesus. As I read our story, I struggled to figure out what this means for Christians or fishers of people today. And I realize this is something I regularly wrestle with, and I don't have a clear-cut answer. I am someone who loves to have a clear-cut answer, and it can be tough for me to sit in uncertainty. Thus, I'm going to invite you to sit in it with me. And instead of giving you a clear action plan of how to go out and be fishers of people in this world, I want to pose some things to think about, and perhaps we could get coffee or lunch and talk about it more. But how are we supposed to be, exist, what are we supposed to do as Christians in our world today? Because it has changed. The cultural shifts that have happened even since I got it here at Andover, the deconstruction of faith that people are walking through, the way we live our lives, living in a pandemic, has life looking so much different than when even I was growing up. And honestly, sometimes I find myself at a loss of what exactly the American church will look like in the next few years, and especially over the next several decades. And for us, what does it mean to follow Jesus, to be, pe- to be fishers of people in this context? We are called to be fishers of people, which means we are called to make disciples. But what does it look like in a world that we are still getting to know? I find myself wholly inadequate to face this, so I want to invite you into some of my angst and sit with me, not to fix it, but to navigate it together. Because it's daunting, it's heavy, but I think it's important for us to consider what it means to be a disciple of Christ in 2022. There is so much angst and fear on, will the church even last? And as I started to think through this, I seriously had nothing. I was completely frozen. This is the part of sermon writing that I'm like, I have not, this is not for me. <laughs> Um, So I I turned to a really good podcast, as I do, um, and it's called the Voxology Podcast. Um, I was scrolling through titles, just feeling very defeated, but one stuck out to me, and it was the future of the American church. This struck me because in our passage, we see Jesus calling Peter into the future of the church, the whole church. And I see this same calling on our church today. A lot of the focus on the podcast was the polarization that we see in our society today and has talked about so much. The conversation navigated some of the reasons of why we are where we are. They talked about the cycles of church history, but they zoomed in on more recent history, where we are living in a post-Cold War church, is what they called it. In the days of the Cold War, it was very clear on who was good and who was bad. There wasn't a lot of complexity on who's the hero and who's the villain. And for the Cold War American Christianity, anything that was God-fearing, Western, American, Christian, and capitalist was automatically good and God-ordained. Anything socialist, communist, atheist, etc. was bad. And if you were anywhere close to that, 
you were also considered bad. It's what we now see playing out called, that we call culture wars, and it creates this us versus them mentality. And it is very effective. It got people through the doors of the church because it meant you were good if you went to church, and people generally want to be considered good. But we still have this mindset lingering today, and it's not just the generations that were grown enough to know what was going on in the Cold War, because oftentimes the faith that we hold, if unevaluated, is one that we inherit. But we do, in fact, live beyond the Cold War. Our country is far more diverse than ever in a multitude of ways, and it isn't always black and white, where me and my tribe are always right and you and your tribe are always wrong. The podcast urges the, link, the listener that since we are no longer living in Cold War Christianity, we must raise disciples that can navigate this faithfully in a world that is far more complicated. Rather than discipling people to isolate from the scary world and stick only to the people who believe and look and worship like us, we must gather around a center that we find in Jesus. We must gather around the, the fact that everyone carries the image of God. We must gather around building the kingdom of God. The difficult part about this is that it takes a lot of careful discernment. This discernment requires a shift in the way we approach our faith, and namely the way we use the Bible. It is often seen as this book that gives us all the answers for life, or a source uh, that, that helps us come up with uh, the best debate for what we think, when it is truly something that is alive, that forms us and helps us to grow in wisdom and in faith. When reading the Bible, certainty isn't the answer, isn't the goal, faith is. Clarity isn't the goal, wisdom is. This nuanced way of engaging with scripture is scary for all of us. The gray middle ground is messy, and frankly, it exhausts people. Sometimes it's just easier to be told what to think, right? That's why being fundamental and sticking to what uh, you believe, whether no matter what side of the polarization you're on, is so attractive, is because it's comfortable, it's less tiring. An example of this is coffee. I love coffee. But in the days of the Cold War, it was so easy to order coffee. Your options were regular decaf, and do you want cream or sugar? But now you walk into a Starbucks and you have 87,000 different drink combinations. <laughs> I looked that up, I did not do the math on that. But that's crazy and very overwhelming for someone whose only coffee language is regular or decaf. But small, small confession, I am very easily discouraged by the Big C Church. Internally, I find myself criticizing it, wondering if it'll ever change and feeling exhausted by it. But there is hope in the gospel. There is hope in the slow, hidden growth of the kingdom. There is hope in the next generation that is learning how to navigate this cultural context better than we ever could. And the church doesn't always need my critique, but it does need my trust that God is working and moving in our world, and that true transformation is happening, even if I am not seeing or noticing it. The kingdom is at hand, even in the weirdest places. So Lord, we ask you to lead us to those weird places where there is mercy, kindness, and humility in a world that seeks power and might, where the first are last, where the rich don't understand, but children often do. And so what does it mean to be fishers of people in this context? Whew. A lot of prayer, a lot of discernment, 
a lot of living life with Jesus. It might mean letting go of what we thought church should look like. It might mean online church, but important conversations around a dinner table. It might mean going to where the people are instead of expecting them to walk through the doors of our church. It could mean sitting with people of other worldviews and sharing a meal together, showing God through our hospitality and our words. It might mean being a peaceful, graceful presence in a room that is harsh and chaotic. It might mean worrying less about having the right beliefs and more about orthodox action and love. It means sitting in the angst while everything we thought we knew crumbles, but doing it as a community and finding an even stronger foundation to stand on. And that is the gospel that we find in Jesus. And not just his death and resurrection, but in his life. This is a story that we get to be a part of. Our ordinary fishermen lives get to be a part of God's extraordinary story. And God is making all things new through his son who put on flesh, and flipped everything we knew to be true on its head. This is the kingdom that will last. And it might not happen in mega churches attended by thousands or a fancy cathedral. It might just happen on a fishing boat. This endeavor can be scary and heavy, but Jesus tells us, do not be afraid, follow me. Let's pray. Holy and loving God, we ask that you would equip us to be fishers of, your pe- of people in your world. May we be willing to step out of what is comfortable and into what you have called us to. Fill us with your love, your kindness, and your mercy as we engage with this complex world. May we have grace for ourselves and the people around us as we do so. Amen.